0: Welcome back, everybody. Office Hours 11. Thanks for joining us. This is going to be a fun one. I feel good. You're caffeinated, I can tell. Yeah, I had a coffee this morning. You got the Rona? No. It is an iced coffee. Oh, what is that? Some heavy cream. I asked for it unsweetened. There's a little (laughs) bit of sweetener in there. Not the biggest fan, but you know, it's okay. It's a weekend. That's right. Yeah. it up.
1: Yeah. Office Hours 11. How are you, Brendan? I am splendid. Um, It's the weekend. Love it. (laughs) Went to the chiropractor this morning and feeling good. Just got cracks all throughout your spine. Primarily the soft tissue work really, really gets me going. You know, you you can't just focus on the bones. Chiropractic is really about soft tissue. It's are the tissues moving properly or are they inhibiting proper movement of your joint spaces that and your fascia? You want to restore sliding surfaces, um, ipso facto,
0: I'm your boss. So our next guest is going to be Brendan talking about chiropractic. <laughs> but no, that was that was good stuff. Well done. You like that? That was that was really nice. You said fascia? I said fascia, yeah.
1: I am, you know, I'm well versed in the kinesiologies. I, I did take some coursework. May have gotten a degree in it at some point in my life.
0: Be, that's, that's old, Brendan. That's dead, Brendan. <laughs> that's dead, Brendan. Be careful with that word, though. People might start calling you a fascist. Whoa, whoa,
1: oh, whoa. That's not a good way. We're just going to transition right <laughs> here. Hey, Nick, who was our guest?
0: <laughs> our guest, yes. All right, Brendan the fascist. Our guest whoa. was Dr. Aaron Belkin. He's a political science professor at San Francisco State University. He is also the founding director of the Palm Center, and he's also been doing a lot of work with Take Back the Court, um, which is something that he also spearheaded. And uh, we, we kind of have a little surprise at the end. We'll get to that later. But um, yeah, he's done a lot of work to repeal the policy of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And um, also more recently, the transgender military ban. So fascinating life experience, work history. Um, he's really cool because he just... He teaches a lot of this stuff inside the classroom about like political science and American politics. But he does so much outside of the classroom. He's a practitioner on the daily. On the daily. It's pretty amazing. He's (laughs) (laughs) literally, after we had our conversation, and if you listen to the episode, he explained a bit about the work that he does early on. And I didn't even know what to say because all I said was, you must be busy because I was just overwhelmed by the yeah. different things that he's not said. only was,
1: is he overwhelmed on a daily basis because he has so much work going on and he like, he obviously is like, you know, bring on the work cause he loves what he does.
0: Yeah. But Nick was overwhelmed at just hearing how much work that he does. Vicarious trauma. It was intense. <laughs> so yeah, it was really cool. Um, Brendan, did you have something that you have been thinking about that you want to discuss further?
1: I think mine's kind of a two-parter. I think I really enjoyed the way he discussed the fact that he takes a like a deep dive into how this marketing and m- typical traditional media process works. And he knows that that's the best way to distribute the information. And he's basically taken – which this is a course that he teaches at SF State. But he, t- he has taken his – mission, I guess you could say, or his, um, you know, passion for, you know, advocating for these people that, um, are affected by the military bands and things of that nature. And he's utilized his understanding of this media machine to help better the world through pushing, um, his work through the Palm center. And I think that's so cool because, um, you know, it's equally important, if not more important, because there's not very many people doing it this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it comes to advocacy, like people need to be working in all aspects. And I think he's in such a unique aspect of the way he approaches this work that I think it's um, you know, we've got plenty of people who are willing to go out and protest for co- good causes and, you know, stand up for what they believe in if you listen to one of our recent episodes. <laughs> um, but he does it in a very unique way, and I think that makes it not only extremely interesting but extremely valuable for society that he does it that way.
0: Yeah, you said a two parter. Was there something that you wanted to add to? That? Um, it was the things I've been thinking
1: about are one the way he uses the typical media machine to get his message out, but then also the like the uniqueness of his approach.
0: Ah, yes. In in his specific, um, mission. Yeah
1: with the Palm Center.
0: And I feel like something that we talk about often is that there's all this research on different in different journals, on different databases that like is published, it's peer reviewed, it's well done, nobody ever hears about it. Correct. And then the Palm Center is a research institute that really starts to publicize this information. So mm-hmm. like what he's doing is bridging this gap that we've been having this problem with. <laughs> so yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. And
1: a lot of times like you said like these things go un unheard in these studies but he takes it one step further it's not just getting it into the news but using research to inform like social opinion mm-hmm. right and i think like man like if we could only do that with more good information and research that's done out there right like I mean, I'm just reflecting on our conversation with Jesse Hoffman too. Like we know so little about nutrition and the nutritional research space, but maybe if we just took some of these like cornerstone, like certainties that we've kind of established in the nutritional world and socially distribute them a little bit more and like make people more open-minded, um, about different opportunities for different people. Like she was, you know, I'm just reflecting on the fact that everything that she said was like a well, it depends, yeah. right? And like people need to understand that they're a unique system. So, anyways, I just love the approach that they take with mm-hmm. like distributing the information, but also getting the information out there and getting people behind the information to really impact the change that they're looking to make.
0: Yeah. And something you just said, which I think is so important and something I didn't really process until also. Uh, Dr. Belkin spoke about it when, in our conversation was the key is to inform social opinion, which will then inform the public policy. Right. So if, yeah, so they get this research out there. So talking about repealing, don't ask, don't tell. It was just that we need to understand that the information that they're putting out there stating that uh, gays in the military are harming um, like unit cohesion. It's just false. Right. But if that research doesn't get out there, people just accept what's said by these higher powers. And so by him doing all this work with several of his colleagues, I don't want to forget the whole team and definitely everyone who's done all this, but doing all this work, putting all this information out there, getting this research evidence to be supportive, and then also just have like the general public know this, they're like, well... We have to refute this policy because this is what the research says. And now we all think this way. Right. And so now the policymakers are like, okay, well, everybody's thinking like this. We should probably do something about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just fascinating to hear, I guess, about the process because it just took so long. And it's kind of sad that it takes that long to get the correct information in there while misinformation just gets spread like wildfire. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think just the piece about informing people so that there's public opinion, which can then inform public policy, is so critical and crucial. Uh, so, I'm grateful for the work that the Palm Center and Dr. Belkin have been doing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. What have you been thinking about since our conversation? Anything different? I, I, I think I thought I'm more, <laughs> I think thought. I've been thinking a little bit more deeply about like the dangers of don't ask, don't tell, Mm -hmm. which I I know that this is something that's in the past now. Um, But just the fact that this was like the policy, I I don't think can ever be underestimated as to like the effect and power that it had, Mm -hmm. which is scary because it's literally telling people you need to hide your identity, like for the greater good, because that's what's going to be better in this in this group cohesion. Like for the military, you need to not tell anybody about who you are. Nobody needs to know, and things will be okay. And it's like, God, you get the best out of people when they're feeling comfortable in themselves, when they feel like they're accepted by other people, and that's yeah. It, it was just very threatening to. Uh have such a powerful type of policy like put in place to affect so many people in that role. Um, and, and to hit it such a a critical part of who somebody is. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the work that they've done to reverse that policy and get that out of there because it is scary. Like if I had to hide a sense of myself like that and just think that that's best or that's better, um, that would be really difficult for me. Yeah, it's kind of like
1: the government was like, you know, trying to figure this out and like, oh, you know what we should do? Let's just sacrifice all the people who fit into this box. Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, forget it. We have all these other people. They're gonna do good. Let's just keep doing the things the way we've been doing them. Right. Instead of thinking, like, how can we be better leaders and be and foster a more inclusive environment and not have to sacrifice anybody? Yes. You know, it's 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 it seems so backwards, but I think, you know, to to your point, that's, you know, a product of the day and age we live in and like who we are. But it's also, you know, a, a testament to how hard the Palm Center has to work to get some of these things in. I think he said something about like 13 years to make that happen. Um, that may not have even been the full scope of how long it took. But yeah, I mean, it's just crazy that we would have made a decision that was like, yeah, let's let's leave some people behind in this. And make it so that, you know, a certain sector of the population has to go through, like, some severe psychological and identity issues if they want to serve in the military.
0: Right. And just the title itself of the policy, don't ask, don't tell. Like, Jesus. If that doesn't highlight, like, the danger of silence. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, I just, it blows my mind that that was even a thing. But, I mean, I guess... There's a lot of stuff that blows my mind reflecting back on history, so. Yeah. But it's it's good to know history, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, so we also discussed a little bit more about the transgender military ban mm-hmm. and how that's been a success with Biden's presidency. Yeah, one of his first 17 executive orders or something that he signed in office, was one. that was one of them. Yeah. Um, and we kind of have a bit of a surprise because I, I don't think we should get too far into that topic yet. I Spill mean, the beans, can. Nick. So we're having Professor Belkin back on for another episode, and we're going to do a part two. Um, we're not going to specifically just talk about the military ban because I know that we talked a lot about that in our first episode, but he's been doing a lot with Take Back the Court. And I don't even know if we want to say too much more because the, the episode's probably going to go really deep into that.
1: Yeah, what I think, is. you know, I think let's hold off just a little bit because he's going to give us so much good context on mm-hmm. what the work he's been doing in that space is. So uh, let's leave that as a little teaser. Yeah,
0: just a little mid episode teaser. Yeah, there we go. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, something else I've also been thinking about. Realist back in, Nick. Yeah. Whizz. Okay, <laughs> back in. Also, like we've kind of touched on, the amount of time and effort and money that it takes just to get some type of 30 second clip or some type of research article to be posted in the times. Um, some the, th-
1: the connection with journalists that that takes and the, the fact that you have to establish those connections over such a long period of time. You don't just meet somebody and they're like, yeah, I'll do this for you whenever you want. You've got right. to like
0: really foster some good relationships there. It's, it's scary. Yeah. Like, that that's kind of a reality that you can publish this study, refute all this evidence, and then provide the actual, legit, empirical evidence, and that might not get ever get published if you don't put that work in to connect with these journalists or connect with these news networks, do all this other marketing, and it might just fall down a drain and never be heard.
1: Yeah. Do you think that the... So, I would say... Up until 2016, the pr- like the old-school forms of media were the primary forms of media for government-related issues. Mm-hmm. People were definitely talking about government stuff on social media, but when you put Donald Trump on t- social media, things of that nature, I think government's interaction with social media has been elevated over the last four years.
0: Oh, yeah, a ton. So
1: when it comes to distributing... The content and the research and things of that nature that are on, um, like going on within the Palm Center, for example, how do you think social media is going to play a future role in
0: the work that they do and its importance? Man, I think it's going to be so important because I feel do you like you think every- it'll ever
1: reach equal level, I guess, is my question after and give me your what you're about to say too but I want to make sure you hit on do you think it'll reach equal status as the New York Times, CNN, CNBC, all those other Fox all those publications or do you think those will continue to be the mainstay for political conversations
0: go I think that those major news outlets are already starting to like kind of piece apart like so you think so, yes. they
1: are going on social media so As a result, it's going to like their commentary that they're providing to the social landscape is going to then be a social media conversation. As a result, it's all going to be social media or it's going to be heavy
0: social media? I think it's going to be heavy social media. I think that there's just so many people that are starting to get their news from different sources. Mm -hmm. Like that people are just seeing any type of news network. Like, Jesus, I don't know if I can trust this. Mm -hmm. And then also even with like the times, or other major like news outlets. They're just like, I I don't know if this is what I want to be hearing. And so they'll turn to their favorite podcaster or their favorite like journalist that has their own source of like their blog or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think those types of sources are rising to not the same extent right now, but I could totally see in the future that these major news networks don't have the power that they do right now. I feel like over the past four years is when we started to better understand how much power these entities have and how much they're influencing us and impacting us. And while it's like, I feel like it's kind of like a wildfire right now to where like people are just jumping all over that, like Facebook, super powerful, Twitter, super powerful, all these different things. But I think at the same time, in order to find a balance of that, there are these other like investigative journalists or, um, different smaller news networks like The Hill the Hill's that great. are just starting to rise and be this. Oh, was, source. That a, was that a hill joke? The network's called The Rising on the Hill. Oh, wow. And you said, right. Okay, anyways. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah, you know, subtle. Um, <laughs> and so I, I just think that there's like starting to be a balance of like we've under we now better understand the power that these things ha- have had on our lives uh, and it's been illuminated a little more. And so people are like, I don't want this to be that powerful. And so they're going to turn to these different entities like podcasters and um, smaller avenues in order to get uh, some different types of dialogue and news out there. Does that answer the question, I guess? It does.
1: I, I think I'm thinking about it too. And I think that there's an interesting... It'll be interesting to see how it plays out because I could totally see like the... The Palm Center's original, like current strategy um, like broadening a little bit to continuing to hit their big medias really hard. But I'm curious to see, like, you know, if their strategy became, you know, we need to become kind of like a, a media house themselves for this type of content and the research put like that they put out. You know, if they could get, you know, a few thousand, hundred thousand followers or so, and those people would repost, knowing that like this is an important message to distribute, like you could easily hit like a few million people that way if Mm -hmm. if people are reposting your your posts and all of that. Um, You know, and especially then if you start to get into like, okay, what political leaders are you marketing with? As these political leaders go on social you know whether it's you know local senators or congressmen or congresswomen or whatever Um, and then they put it out there like I just think that's going to be like that's a very valuable um thought to have as far as where this could go I don't think it's necessarily going to be as impactful in the short term because I think there's a ton of emphasis still put on that old media within like the government and yeah. things of that nature but You know, I think it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be something to keep our eye on Mm -hmm. as to how that the value of the effort that they're putting in may be able to reach farther and faster with the utilization of social media as more political presence goes social. Right. Yeah.
0: And I am thinking about like LinkedIn. Um, I see and follow uh, like professors on LinkedIn and Maybe this has been a thing, I don't know, back five years ago, 10 years ago, I wasn't doing this, but I also, I mean, these social media platforms weren't as popular then, but like there's professors who are posting their research, having discussions, sharing great information. Like for example, there's a Harvard psychologist named Susan David, who I admire a ton. And she talks about emotional agility and emotional awareness. We don't have her book here. I thought we did. No. Yeah. She did a Ted talk. Check it out. Susan David, awesome content. And like, she's posting amazing stuff. And there are thousands of likes. She has, I have no many, I, I have no idea how many followers, but a ton. And it's like, okay, there's some evidence-based stuff that's getting out there. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing that more and more. So even on like Instagram of people are actually putting out good research instead of just like saying that I'm some famous Instagram person who throws out some motivational shit. And it's Mm -hmm. like, what is that? Yeah. (laughs) You know? So I think that there's a rise of that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking for that more. And so I'm seeing it more. Yeah, sure. And it's always been there, but um, I'm hopeful that like this stuff's starting to get out there more and that people are starting to use these platforms to spread good information, not just like whatever they want.
1: Well, I think for sure we're entering a phase of like, um, Increased skepticism on social media. I think we're understanding how false a lot of information out there can be. Um, so I think that you know people are people are looking for validated information on on social media. So I think professors are going to be a great resource for that. People who are deep in research in a particular field. You know, if you want an opinion piece, go look at your favorite follower, like your favorite influencer or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But if you want facts and you want like real good information, you know, the people we talk with are in the field doing the research, getting real data. Yeah. Um, so to your point, I think that, you know, those those are going to be great opportunities for a lot of the good information that anybody's working with out there can really
0: distribute through, uh, through like LinkedIn and things like that. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Shoot. So to set the stage for this question – uh, so Twitter, I, what is it? You can only have like 300 characters or something, 150. 140. 140. Um, only 140 characters in a message mm-hmm. or in a tweet. Um, I'm not on Twitter. And we just have these conversations about like how long form conversations important, how snippets and clips can be pretty dangerous. And we really want to promote civil discourse. Here's my question. This mm-hmm. is a heavy hitter. Is Twitter good? Yes.
1: How so? I'll use a Gary Vaynerchuk like analogy. If you want to use Twitter as your news outlet, then you're messing up. People should think of Twitter as the water cooler of the office. (laughs) Post a link to a legitimate article and Discuss it in the comments or in post related But as a means it itself your 140 characters in a photo or it may be 160 or whatever. I don't know But your characters in a photo should not be the distribution of news Mm -hmm. or facts Links to other articles that are like verified pieces of content research pieces of content to then spark conversation around those pieces of content, I think it's a great way to engage with people like at the water cooler of the office, right? So I think it's valuable in that sense. Um, now, the big question is, how do you get people to like, you see it as that form? People do want to consume their news there, right? And that's the danger is that you just put anything on there and people are going to do with it what they want. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think... As a public, we just have to be educated and like open to the fact that there could be fake stuff on Twitter. And there is fake stuff on Twitter. And like, see, like look at here's a good practice I think everybody should just do regardless. Listen right? up. Look for references in an article or a post or whatever where did this information come from? Be just a little bit skeptical as to what the motives of that particular person are. Are you being fed something for a very specific reason? Not to say that it's malicious, but, you know, for example, we've talked about like some of this like food stuff with like advertising and marketing messaging from research in the food industry. Like, Sugar companies will tell you that it's inconclusive if sugar is bad for you. (laughs) Coca Cola Cola is good for you, apparently. (laughs) Like, there's no difference. Well, it's like, okay. Well, they just want you to keep buying it. So they may have an agenda. So be skeptical. And I'm not saying that there's like a guaranteed right or wrong answer to like that particular statement, but in general, just know who's feeding you the information. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard something recently that you should think of your social media consumption like a mental diet if you're going to eat junk food you're going to be fat if you're going to consume junk content your mind is going to be unhealthy Mm. so really be conscious of the quality of the content that you're getting because if you're consuming bad content Consistently bad, fabricated, agenda driven content. Shout out to Q. (laughs) Jesus. No response. I'm just going to keep going. Sorry. (laughs) Then you are going to like suffer the consequences of consuming that content. Yeah. So people need to look at their content diet and be sure that they're having a well balanced content diet
0: they say gut brain i say brain gut i mean why not same thing (laughs) i think that is spot on i really enjoy that i think i'm going to start to approach social media with that a little more so now so thank you for that brendan you betcha yeah that was very
1: kind absolutely i hope everybody benefits from that and i think that's a great spot for the work that the palm center and dr belkin put in effort and work to providing good research-based information out there and in the future i think they'll have a lot of success on social media because of that
0: yeah yeah and i feel like the reason that they're not quite there yet is because they got started i feel like prior prior to this like social media boom and so they were focusing on different avenues of like these major networks and how to get into um like major news journals and different news sources and so yeah, as as this continues to grow, I hope that it, it really can just impact people on different levels and uh Yeah, and they haven't they haven't needed to yet, right? Like they've no. been getting results, you know. Granted,
1: I'm sure there's a debate out there to make it go faster, but at the same point time you don't want to take a huge step back just because you wanna switch your like keep doing what you're doing, right? If it's working.
0: Yeah. Don't fix it if it ain't broke. Damn straight. Boom. Boom. I think that's it, Brendan. I think we did it. Yeah. So Look out for our next episode. Look, look out for Dr. It. Balkan. Yeah. Um, I don't think he'll be our next episode, but he will be in a couple at least. Yeah. A few episodes from now, we'll have another conversation. Yeah. And if you have any comments or things that you want to ask about that episode, if you're interested in Take Back the Court, please let us know. We'll try to throw it into that conversation because we're really excited for it. Um, but it, yeah, just above, above all else. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. And Brennan, any last words? I just hope everybody gets out there and stays caffeinated. Stay caffeinated, people. Drink your daily gallon. At least. At least. Have a good day.
1: Later.